Hi, this is Glenn with episode two of the MSMU podcast for the online course CHE1A. This is a continuation. We are still in week one. There are a couple of things that I forgot to tell you about uh, your preparation for the quiz. And these things start with the conversion of temperature units. In your textbook, there is um, some significant discussion on converting between degrees Celsius, degrees Fahrenheit, and Kelvin. These, uh, these calculations appear on pages 50 through 53. Um, what really merits your attention are the examples that are worked out for you on pages 52 and 53 of the online textbook. I really recommend that you um, work through those examples with pencil and paper, you know, copying the problem-solving process down, and then I recommend that you look at the problem and not look at the solution and try to see if you can come up with the same answer again on your own. But since this is an audio podcast, for now, um, if you will, I'd like to explain to you verbally this conversion process. If you find the verbal explanation here a little confusing, that is okay, because this appears in print on your textbook, or in your textbook, pages 51 through 53. I'm sorry, pages 50 through 53. Now, to begin, Celsius and Kelvin are the same temperature scale. It's just that Kelvin is moved over by a certain amount. What I mean is, every degree Celsius is the same size as each degree Kelvin. So, for example, water freezes at 0 degrees Celsius. Water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. That's 100 degrees of separation there. Water freezes at 273 Kelvin. Water boils at 373 Kelvin. 373 minus 273, that's still 100 units of separation. So each unit of Kelvin is the same size as a unit of Celsius. That means to convert between Celsius and Kelvin, all you need to do is add or subtract a number. That number is 273. Actually, the number is, more precisely, 273.15. That's how it's presented in your textbook. So, um, in this podcast, I'm just going to say 273. But in your mind, you should have uh, in your memory that number, 273.15. For example, room temperature, 25 degrees Celsius. What is that in Kelvin? I add my 273, and I get 298 Kelvin. Your body temperature, 310 Kelvin. What is that in Celsius? I subtract 273, and I get 37 degrees Celsius. I think you can see how this goes. A cold day in the morning. Maybe not a very cold day, maybe just a cool day. Warmer than your refrigerator, but cooler than room temperature. Let's say it's 15 degrees Celsius. What is that in Kelvin? I'll let you figure that out. How about the difference uh, between Celsius and Fahrenheit, or how to convert between Celsius and Fahrenheit? That's a little harder. And the reason why it's a little harder is because the Celsius scale is very different from the Fahrenheit scale in that each step, each degree Celsius, is a different size than each degree Fahrenheit. Why is that? Well, let's see. 
Let's take water, for example, again. Water freezes at 0 degrees Celsius. Water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. That's 100 degrees of separation there. Let's look at Fahrenheit. Water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a lot more than 100 degrees of separation there. There are just more units inside the Fahrenheit scale between when water freezes and boils than there are inside the Celsius scale. Like, let's say I added 100 to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. That would get me 132 degrees Fahrenheit. That's still nowhere near the boiling point of water in Fahrenheit, right? So it looks like Fahrenheit has a lot more numbers in there. Fahrenheit is the finer uh, scale, finer than Celsius. One degree, Fahrenheit, one degree Fahrenheit is finer, is, is smaller. It's a smaller step in temperature than one degree Celsius. How much smaller? In fact, one degree Fahrenheit is about nine-fifths times, I'm sorry, um, one degree Celsius is about nine-fifths times one degree Fahrenheit. This is how the textbook presents it to you. I mean, in other words, one degree Celsius is 1.8 times larger than one degree Fahrenheit. That's how big one degree Celsius is compared to one degree Fahrenheit. It's 1.8 times larger. So with that knowledge, you can calculate what is the Celsius temperature given a Fahrenheit temperature or the other way around. Let's do it uh, the first way first. Suppose you have a temperature. It is maybe 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, the Fahrenheit scale has water freezing at 32 degrees, but the Celsius scale has water freezing at zero degrees. So the first thing I need to do is bring the Fahrenheit number that I'm working on, 32, down to the level of the Celsius scale. So I need to subtract 32. We need to start at the same, uh, at the same level here, at the same um, number. So I take 32 out from the Fahrenheit temperature. In this case, I'm working with 32. I take 32 out, I get zero. So I have zero now, but I have zero still on the Fahrenheit scale. Now I need to convert this, this number zero into the same size unit as Celsius would be. All right? Now remember that Celsius is 1.8 times larger than Fahrenheit. Okay, so I have a number, zero, and it came from the Fahrenheit scale, so my units are Fahrenheit. I'm going to use the factor label method verbally right now. Uh, this is also known as dimensional analysis. This is um, in section 1.6 of your textbook. All right, so I have this number zero, and it came from Fahrenheit units. Now I want Celsius units, so I'm going to multiply this number, zero, by a, a, a ratio a ratio that has Celsius on top and Fahrenheit on the bottom. Why is Fahrenheit on the bottom? Only one reason. It's because I want to cancel out the Fahrenheit units. I started with Fahrenheit units, but I can't have them at the end because I'm trying to get Celsius, so I need to cancel them out. To cancel out something on top, you got to put that same thing on the bottom. So Fahrenheit goes on the bottom, Celsius goes on the top. Now remember, one degree Celsius 
is uh, the same as 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's 1 Celsius on top and 1.8 Fahrenheit on the bottom. So I'm going to end up on the calculator dividing my number by 1.8. The Fahrenheit's will cancel. Celsius is the only unit left over. So 0 divided by 1.8, that's 0. And so it's 0 degrees Celsius converted from 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Let's try something a little harder. We'll do the same calculation, but with a different number. I'll take 64, 64 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a temperature of a, of a reasonably mild day, right? It, it, that would be a good day for jogging. Am I right? Hmm. So 64 degrees Fahrenheit. What is that in Celsius? Let's see. I take um, 64 minus 32, and I get 32. So now we're starting at the same point as where Celsius starts, because I've taken out that extra 32. But I st th these units are still the same size as Fahrenheit units. They're fine. So I need to convert these units from Fahrenheit into Celsius. So I take my 32, which is from Fahrenheit, and I multiply it by a ratio that has Celsius on top and Fahrenheit on the bottom. 1 degree Celsius on top is the same as 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit on the bottom. So 32 divided by 1.8 is something close to 16. So not exactly 16, but the answer here should be something like 16. 16 degrees Celsius. Okay. How did I come up with that 16? I did that because I don't have a calculator right now and because I know that 32 divided by 2 is 16. Yeah, but... Uh, I wasn't dividing by 2, I was dividing by 1.8, right? Yes, of course, but 1.8 is very close to 2, isn't it? So to get a ballpark figure, you can just divide by 2. Of course, on the quiz next week, you will not be dividing by 2. You will have a calculator with you, a calculator which is not your phone, and you will be dividing by 1.8. Or if you prefer the, uh, to use the formula, if you prefer to memorize the formula as it is printed in the textbook, you will be multiplying by um, uh, 5 ninths. M uh, mathematically, multiplying by 5 ninths is the same as dividing by um, uh, 1.8. So uh, that was the conversion from Fahrenheit to Celsius verbally done on an audio podcast. Let's now, wait, by the way, if you were able to follow that, um, that is really great. Congratulations. If you were not able to follow that, but you would like to, may I recommend that you rewind this podcast a bit when you can? I don't want you to do it while you're driving, of course. Um, this does, again, appear in the textbook, um, pages 50 through 53. So if you prefer, you can just wait for that. Now let's do it verbally again, but from Celsius through Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Suppose I have a, a, a 25 degrees Celsius room. All right? That's room temperature. What is that going to be in Fahrenheit? Let's see. 25 degrees Celsius. Now the first thing I need to do here is I need to take these 25 degrees Celsius and make them the same size as the Fahrenheit units. I'm not going to add 32 right now. 
Why? Because 32 is in Fahrenheit, but I only have Celsius here. I'm not at the same size as a Fahrenheit unit yet. So first, I need to get to get my get my um, 25 degrees Celsius to be the same size as the Fahrenheit unit. To do that, I'm going to multiply my 25 degrees Celsius by a ratio, a ratio that has Fahrenheit on top, which is what I want, and Celsius on the bottom, which is what I want to cross out. So there are 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit on top for every 1 degree Celsius on the bottom. That, that means I'm multiplying my number, 25, by 1.8. So 1.8 times 25, that's something like 50. It's something a little bit less than 50. So let's say it's 50 degrees. Um, now this is now Fahrenheit. This is now 50 degrees Fahrenheit. However, this is not, uh, this is not yet the correct answer because remember the Celsius scale is 32 degrees Fahrenheit away from the Fahrenheit scale because 0 Celsius is the same as 32 degrees Fahrenheit so I need to I need to add those 32 back in here so I've got my 80 I'm sorry <laughs> I've got my 50 and I add 32 to that and I get 82 degrees Fahrenheit so the room temperature is about 82 degrees Fahrenheit. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what are you smoking? Room temperature is not 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, you're right. Sorry. So room temperature is 25 times 1.8. And that answer plus 32. So um, I did 25 times 2 just because I happen to not have a calculator right now. Okay, so to um, make this more believable for you, let me actually pull out my calculator and do 1.8 times 25, and I get 45, All right? Now, 45 plus 32 is 77. So um, the more accurate answer using a calculator is 77 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that room temperature? I think you'll find that it is. I mean, it may not be the room temperature that you like in your room, but it's generally considered room temperature. So that's how to convert from Celsius to Fahrenheit, just verbally. Now, the other thing that I forgot to mention on episode one is the difference between precision and accuracy. This is explained in the textbook on pages 38 and uh, 39. Actually, pages 38 through 40-something. Uh, I'm sorry. So uh, pages 38 through 46. Uh, the, the, there are some great pictures that illustrate the difference between accuracy and precision on page 45, and there is an example for you, uh, an example table of some data that is precise or accurate or both on page 46. But verbally, let me just explain this to you. If you have high accuracy in some data from some experiment that you did, that means that your measurements are very close to the true value. Now, what do I mean by that? Suppose you are trying to measure my weight. Uh, 
and suppose I happen to know that I weigh exactly 155 pounds, and you are trying to measure my weight by using some weighing scale that you built yourself in your garage, and you measured me at 154 pounds, and you measured me again, and this time you got 156 pounds, you measured me again, this time you got 155 pounds. Your, your measurements, your data is quite accurate. You're quite close to 155, which is my true weight. All right. Um, now, th that is different, though, from precision. Okay. What if you measured me and you found that my weight on your first measurement was 162 pounds? Your second measurement, it was 162 pounds. Your third measurement, it was 162 pounds. You see, you got the same measurement every time you measured me. That is precise. That is high precision data. But you could, you could tell that it's not accurate because my weight is 155. Am I right? So that 162 data, the, the data with 162 pounds three times, that was precise but not accurate. Now, the first set of data, 154, 156, 155, that data was accurate, but it was less precise because the number kept jumping around a little bit, right? The best case uh, when you do an experiment is to have data that's both accurate and precise. Um, and an example of that would be if you measured me once and you got 155, you measured me again, you got 155, you measured me a third time, and you got 155. Yeah, that would be accurate and precise. Now, there's another meaning for the word precision that we throw around in chemistry. And that is, uh, that has to do with um, the uncertain digit. So this is going back to significant figures in um, section 1.5 of your textbook. Whenever you make any measurement in chemistry, there is going to be uh, some uncertainty because in this world, when you measure something with a physical tool, that tool always has some limitation. If you measure how long a pencil is using a ruler, that ruler has some limitation. Every line that's painted on that ruler to indicate millimeters or inches or whatever you're using, every line has a thickness, right? What if the line is one millimeter thick? Then you can't tell me if the pencil is five uh, is uh, fifty two point six three millimeters or fifty two point six four millimeters. Oh. Did I get those numbers wrong? Okay. You can't tell me if that pencil is 52.63 millimeters or 52.64 millimeters. You can't tell me that because the little lines painted on the ruler are themselves one millimeter thick. So you can't, you, you, that, that, that instrument is, is limited. Even if you tried really hard, you couldn't tell me. It's the ruler's fault, okay? So the, the digit, the last digit that you can determine from the ruler is a digit that you have to guess. Um, it's best if you look in your textbook at the pictures for this, but for the purposes of the audio broadcast, uh, of the audio podcast, let me just try to get you to imagine this. Suppose the pencil is 
52.6 millimeters long, according to your ruler. Let's say that the little, the tiniest lines on the ruler are one millimeter apart. So this ruler measures millimeters. You need to measure the pencil to 52.6 millimeters, even though every line is only worth one millimeter. How do you get that 0.6? You guess the 0.6. That is the uncertain digit. Okay. Where does precision come in? The word precision. Oftentimes, if you have um, a smaller uncertain digit, then we say that your measurement is more precise. So for example, if you didn't use a ruler, but you used a micrometer instead, and you measure the pencil to be 52.6341, if you measured 52.6341 millimeters using some micrometer, then um, that one at the end, 52.6341, that one at the end, that's the uncertain digit. That digit is in the ten thousandths place. That 52.6, the 6 in 52.6, that digit is in the tenths place. What's smaller? Yeah, the ten thousandths place, right? Way at the end, like four spaces down after the decimal point. That, num th th that place value is smaller. So that measurement, sometimes we say that measurement is more precise because it gets down to some finer, very, very finer detail, very much finer detail. Is that correct grammar? Very finer, very much finer. Yeah, I, I should just say much finer. No, I could say very much finer. Yes, it gets down to some very much finer detail. All right, so that is to clear up any confusion between um, accuracy and precision. For the purpose of your quiz, you're going to be using the first definition of precision here which is the definition for which I used uh, human weight as an example, right? So precision is how reliably you can get the, uh, the, the same measurement over and over again. And accuracy is how close your measurement is to the true value that you're trying to measure. So I think I have now covered on the audio podcast everything that is that that is um, amenable to audio podcasting that will show up on the quiz. There are a, there are some calculation problems which are not amenable to audio podcasting, which for which I will make a um, a video instead. If you have questions, please send me email at gchung at msmu.edu. Thank you.